One of the greatest football players of all time, and a Miami Hurricanes legend, is going to be taking his coaching talents elsewhere. Best of luck, Ed Reed. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today, even on a holiday week. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So Ed Reed, uh, this kind of came out of nowhere. I think a couple of hours before uh, Bethune-Cookman announced it on Twitter, there were some rumblings. Hey, he could be going somewhere. But I don't think I knew anything about this until the day of. This happened on Tuesday evening. Ed Reed agrees to become the new head football coach at Bethune-Cookman. This is tremendous now for Ed. And, folks, I know this was the type of opportunity number 20 was looking for. He's made it clear over the past few years that he's not interested in being an on-the-field assistant coach. He's been wanting his next job to be a head coaching job somewhere, not you know a defensive backs coach or a safeties coach. He's wanted to have a head coaching job. And now he gets the opportunity to try and turn around an HBCU program that has had success in the past, but Bethune-Cookman has underperformed big time in recent years. That's why they have a coaching vacancy. They come off, I think it was two straight three and nine seasons for them. And as far as how Ed Reed is going to be as a head coach, uh, maiden voyage for him, so we don't know. Uh, on the field coaching experience, pretty limited. He was uh, for a short stint was defensive backs coach for the Buffalo Bills, uh, but you can certainly for this opportunity he's getting, you can say a lot of the same things about Ed Reed that people say about Deion Sanders. That when Ed Reed, who actually played football a lot more recently than Coach Prime did, when Ed Reed is calling a recruit, you're always going to take that call. <laughs> You're not going to hang up the phone when there's a pro football hall of famer that you probably grew up watching on the end or the other end of that phone. And when coach Reed wants you to visit, or if he wants to visit your home, you're not going to say no to that. This is a pro football hall of famer, an absolute icon, one of the very best to ever play the game. And, you know, I watched his entire career. Obviously the bulk of that was spent with the Baltimore Ravens. He was just tremendous. And, you know, going back to Reed's time in Miami, the interceptions, just the playmaking ability. I will never forget that Boston College game in 2001 where, you know, BC was trying to put together a potential game-winning drive in a game that Hurricanes weren't playing great. Ken Dorsey didn't have his fastball that game. And then Matt Walters gets the interception, and Reed basically stole the football from Matt to run it in for a touchdown, a game-sealing touchdown. Just a nose for the football. I don't have to tell you guys, one of the absolute best professional football players of all time. It's why he's a Hall of Famer. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what kind of success Reed can have at Bethune-Cookman, especially when it comes to recruiting defensive backs. Now, Bethune-Cookman's gain is Miami's loss. And I don't want to diminish reed's departure whatsoever but from a miami point of view i think we can all agree 
this is not a massive loss, right? Now, obviously, you never want one of the most iconic football players of all time to leave your staff. That's unfortunate. Um, you know, it's not saying it's a good thing he's leaving. I think it's a great thing for him, and it's a great thing for his future. He's getting this opportunity. Well, I'm not saying it's a good thing that Ed is leaving. Ed Reed didn't have an on-the-field role at Miami, and his role, period, was not really defined on Miami staff primarily serving as an ambassador he was in that type of a role and in a mentorship role his official title was chief of staff but it wasn't really a defined role and it wasn't a comprehensive role and I also suspect well I can't say for sure I do suspect that Ed Reed's role probably got diminished at least a little bit um, last offseason when Miami hired Alonzo Highsmith to become the GM of football operations, right? That was a role that a lot of people wanted Alonso to come down and play while Manny Diaz was still here. Diaz didn't make it happen. Mario Cristobal and Dan Radakovich did make it happen with Alonso, and that probably took a little bit of the influence away from Ed Reed. So I think this is great. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a huge tangible loss for Miami, but it's a tremendous tangible gain for Ed Reed. This is an opportunity for Ed to add some big-time coaching experience to his resume and who knows? Many years down the road, and hopefully several national championships from now from Miami, many years down the road, maybe Ed ends up back at the U, maybe in a head coaching role or a coordinator type role. I'm sure they'll leave a key under the mat for him because he's one of the great Canes of all time. So good luck at Bethune-Cookman. And, you know, Miami tends to play Bethune-Cookman every few years. So maybe we'll see Ed on the sidelines uh, in the coming seasons at an upcoming Miami versus Bethune-Cookman season opener. So I'm, I'm very, very happy for him. Uh, we have some recruiting notes and transfer portal notes on this episode as well. I wanted to probably put out a fire, uh, and not, not the good – this would be a good fire, so I'm sorry that I have to put this out. But um, last night, a name came up among Miami fans as a potential transfer portal option that we've got to go out and get this guy. I'm here to tell you, I don't think this is going to be an option. I do not expect Miami to land Auburn defensive tackle Jeffrey Emba. So Emba, and I'll tell you why this player is so exciting. He put out an Instagram post. I think it was on Tuesday night. He put out an Instagram post that he's going to be leaving Auburn in the transfer portal. And that got a lot of Hurricanes fans talking. Not only is he exactly the type of defensive tackle that we've been trying to get, right? We need defensive tackles. And Jeffrey Emba is six foot six, 305 pounds. Uh, I think it was a year ago he transferred from Juco, and Miami was in consideration for him. He chose Auburn over Miami, and now we thought he was hitting the transfer portal. Uh, but here's the thing, guys. I... I've done my due diligence on this one. I've been asking around not only Miami people, but Auburn people. Because remember, whenever there's a potential transfer portal guy or there's a recruiting battle with other schools, I don't just talk to Miami sources. I try to talk to sources from the other parties involved as well. So I had a conversation with an Auburn source earlier today, and it turns out it's not looking like Jeffrey Emba is actually going to enter the portal. I think he's staying put at Auburn. So I know this is disappointing to Hurricanes fans because, hey, we had a shot at this guy last year. Maybe we get another crack at him this year. It's looking like that's not the case. So first of all, 
uh, the Instagram post that he made about hitting the portal was quickly deleted. So that, you know, some always something going on there when you post something and delete it. And so I asked an Auburn source whether he's going to be hitting the portal or not. Has it been confirmed? And initially they were told, yes, it's looking like he's going to hit the portal. And then shortly thereafter, I don't know if it was an hour or two later, but shortly thereafter, they were then told that no. Emba is working things out with the Auburn staff and he's deciding to actually stay and not enter the portal. And that would explain why he deleted the IG post. Now, you know, remember, there's always going to be weird situations like this when you've got a new coaching staff in place, which is the case in Auburn. Hugh Freeze just took over there within the last couple of weeks. So there's probably some players out there who have maybe thought about leaving and they just haven't been feeling the love yet from Hugh Freeze or they don't know what kind of a role they're going to play. So, you know, Free Freeze probably, this is just me guessing here, Freeze and his staff probably saw that post like, wait, we better get this kid on the phone and see what's going on there. So apparently they've been able to resolve that situation. Uh, then I was also told that if Emba did decide to leave that um, Colorado could end up being a top choice for him because apparently he nearly joined coach prime at Jackson state last year. So it's not looking like this defensive tackle is going to be leaving his current situation, but if he does, there would definitely be some competition there is, you know, coach prime is just trying to ruin every hurricanes fans holiday season with what may or may not be going on with Cormani McLean as well. Now, we do still have to talk about Miami has made an offer to an interesting 2024 offensive line prospect. And wow, how about this one, guys? A little bit of an honor. At least I think it's an honor. I know a lot of the Twitter comments are trying to rip him, as they always do, because Florida Gator fans especially are very salty about everything NIL related. But John Ruiz has been named NIL's most impactful person by On3 Sports. So we have to talk about that when we come back here on Locked on Canes. Guys, you should know this by now if you listen to Locked on Canes and watch Locked on Canes every day. My number one spot, really my only spot for sports betting information is Bet Online. Make it your spot because they're going to arm you with the information you need. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball. We've got it all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We are part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, uh, confirmed by the source himself, Miami has extended an offer to a 2024 offensive lineman by the name of Joseph Ayanada. And he tweeted it out himself. He tweeted out how the best Christmas present he could receive, late Christmas present, but he's received an offer from Alex Mirabal, Miami's offensive line coach. As yeah, guys, we're class of 2024 is going to be here before we know it. So we're talking about 2024 prospects now these days. Uh, so Joseph Ayanada, he's a six foot four, 280 pound. Uh, he's played tackle and guard and center. Uh, he's considered by the recruiting services to likely be an interior 
offensive lineman. He's out of Calvary Christian in Clearwater, Florida. He's visited Miami before. Uh, Ayanata has three stars. He's the 40th ranked interior lineman in the country in the 2024 class. That's according to 24-7 Sports. Uh, this is something I like. He's got a 6-foot, 10-inch wingspan at 6-foot-4 height. That's pretty good, 6'10 wingspan. Uh, there's some interesting things about this player, though. So Ayanata, um, and obviously we're a long way away from him deciding on a school, uh, but his father actually played offensive line for the Seminoles back in the 1980s. Joey, so Joe Sr. Joe Sr. played for the Knowles in the 80s. So it's actually interesting that Joe Jr. has not gotten an offer, at least not yet, from Florida State. Uh, and listen, it's not surprising to know that Mirabal and Cristobal are ahead of the curve because when it comes to offensive linemen, they had the same track record at Oregon as well. You know, that's their wheelhouse, of course. Cristobal, a former O-lineman, former O-line coach, and Mirabal, one of the better offensive line coaches in the country. They tend to identify diamond-in-the-rough type of offensive line talent before a lot of the other schools figure it out. They're usually ahead of the curve when it comes to identifying players at that position. Heck, I don't know if too many people even knew that Frankie Tinelau was a thing before Miami offered him, and then he started to get offers from all sorts of other programs after Miami was first in line for him. Um, but and and as far as the offers go, you know, he's not received an offer from Florida State yet, even though he's a legacy. But he's received an offer from Miami. Uh, Miami is by far the biggest football program that Joseph Ayanata has been offered by so far. His other offers have come from Appalachian State, Army, Boston College, Duke. So he is pretty popular in the ACC, I guess. Coastal Carolina, FAU, Louisiana Monroe, Marshall, USF, and Western Kentucky. So you got, you know, a lot of group of five schools in there, a couple of other, you know, uh, ACC programs in there. Miami, by far, like as far as football names go, the biggest school to offer them thus far. So it'll be interesting to see if he starts to get other offers from bigger programs, because now that Miami's offered him, I think other schools will start to take notice of that. So we'll be interesting to see how this one develops. But he seems like a, a really grounded young man and a solid player from what I've been told. I haven't had a chance to watch any Clearwater Calvary games to this point. So I'm learning more about this player. But this is an interior offensive lineman who has received an offer from the University of Miami. And, you know, it's uh this kind of puts everything in perspective when it comes to what Miami's doing in recruiting. And, you know, 2024 is still obviously taking shape. The only committed player for 2024 that Miami has right now is a kicker, Abram Murray, who's the best place kicker in the country for next year. But class of 2023, Miami has the fourth ranked class in the country right now. Uh, even if Miami were to lose Cormani McLean, they would only drop to number six, which is still pretty incredible. But, so often, when we talk about what Miami has done so far with their 25 signees, so often we're comparing them to, oh, how did they stack up with what Alabama is doing? And they're the runaway number one class in Georgia and Texas. You know, we're so focused on, can we get into the top two? Can we get into the top three? That we lose sight of the fact that Miami's got the top recruiting class in the state of Florida. Better right now than the Lizards and better right now than the Seminoles and, you know, UCF and all that. Uh, and Miami also has, and I haven't brought this up enough on the program, 
Miami has the best class of 2023 in the ACC. And with that's the competition that you're competing against, you know, to have an even better class this year than Clemson, who's been the standard bearer of the ACC for, you know, roughly the last decade, uh, you know, to have an even, you know, that that's obviously Clemson way ahead of Miami right now on the field, but off the field, Miami is starting to catch up a little bit to Clemson. So I think that's huge. Let's not lose sight of the fact that even Miami didn't end up with the number one class, or the number two class. They've got the best class in the state and they've got the best class in the conference. And it's actually the best class that Mario Cristobal has signed as a head coach, right? Uh, we talk a lot about the amazing class that Cristobal signed uh, in 2021 in Oregon. So um, Mario Cristobal, and, and by the way, huge shout out to Alan Rubenstein at um, at what is this website? Why, why can I not remember? Kane's Warning. Sorry, Alan. Kane'sWarning.com. Alan Rubenstein. He crunched the numbers on these. Uh, so the Miami Hurricanes 2023 class is the highest signed by Mario Cristobal as a head coach. Miami currently has the 2023, uh, has the fourth ranked class in 2023. Um, and that would be assuming Cormani does sign. But just bear with me here. If Cormani does sign, Miami's got the fourth ranked class. Uh, the highest ranked class that he signed, Cristobal at Oregon, was 2021. Miami currently has a 294.85 uh, total recruiting points from the 25 signees plus Cormani. The 2021 Oregon class signed 23 players. They had a cumulative 287.67. So even if McLean doesn't sign, Miami's class would only drop to 289.61. So they would actually have more cumulative points than the amazing 287.67 class that Cristobal signed in 2021 in Oregon. So with or without Cormani McLean, this is already the highest ranked per 24-7 sports, highest cumulative ranked class that Mario Cristobal has ever brought in. And that's definitely something worth talking about. And that's something worth celebrating and, of course, we all hope it translates onto the field because, yes, you still have to develop these players and you still have to hope that that talent translates to the field and that Miami does better than five and seven. I think we can all agree on that. All right. OK, let's talk on the other side about John Ruiz, who's been given an honor this week by on three sports and why the haters are talking scared. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today and your first watch. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, and we are available free on YouTube as well. So John Ruiz has been named NIL's most impactful person by On3 Sports. I didn't even realize that was a thing. I don't know if they gave this out last year. NIL is very new still. I don't know if they had a winner last year, but John Ruiz, you know, famed Miami NIL donor, NIL's most impactful person. And they write, while plenty shaped NIL in 2022, nobody generated more national headlines and impacted the world of name, image, and likeness more than businessman and Miami Hurricanes supporter John Ruiz. The owner of Life Wallet and Cigarette Racing used NIL deals to help promote his companies. He allocated $10 million to spend on compensating student athletes in year one of NIL and increased that investment in 2022. And a couple of things here. 
John Ruiz does not win this honor if not for the fact that he is so outspoken and so vocal about it, right? Because I think what's made Ruiz so successful in the NIL space is also why so many people outside of Miami dislike him. The fact that he's always tweeting, he's always publicizing his own NIL deals, and he spends a lot of time arguing with Gator fans on Twitter, which I personally love. But the fact that he's so in your face and so boisterous, he's creating the actual attention that makes his NIL more successful because more people are aware of him and more people are aware of what Life Wallet and Cigarette Racing are doing because he talks about it so much and all of his tweets get retweeted and shared and becomes part of the conversation. So that's part of what makes him so successful. But here's another thing about Ruiz and his NIL efforts that I don't think get talked about enough because they're not really understood enough. A lot of times when people talk about, oh, Miami is landing this, that, or the other player because of NIL, guys, it's not necessarily Ruiz outbidding everybody. He's not necessarily offering bigger, larger dollar amounts than other NIL collectives or business people are offering. But John Ruiz has developed a reputation, I think it's well-earned, for actually following through on his NIL deals. Um, I actually thought our, our pal who actually joined us for a crossover episode last week Brandon Olson from Locked On Gators, even the Gator guy made some good points every now and then. When he was talking about NIL, I think midweek last week on his show, like he raised a great point that in this wild, wild west of name, image, and likeness, yes, there's a lot of money being promised and a lot of money being thrown around, but there are a lot of bad actors out there in the NIL space who are either not following through on their promised payments or trying to change the terms of the deals after the fact because they can't follow through on the payments that are promised. John Ruiz has the reputation, Life Wallet, Cigarette Racing, MSP Recovery. They have the reputation of actually making good on their promises, paying properly, paying on time. And that's been a big influencer, right? So it's not necessarily people always think, oh, like you hear this a lot from the Gator fans. There you go, John Ruiz. He bought another one. John, who's trying to buy championships down there in Miami, he bought another one. Like they're not necessarily promising or offering more money, but players understand based on the terms of the contracts and based on the reputation built to this point that this other collective that's promising me X, Y, and Z doesn't have that track record of paying it out properly or the terms of their contract are backloaded or funky where they're just going to say, oh, we'll give you a dollar now and then two years we'll give you $999,000, right? Uh, there's a lot of that wacky language going around where John Ruiz is actually doing this like a professional. And I'm sure that there are other examples of this in the NIL space. I'm sure he's not the only one who's not, you know, a complete sleazeball, but there are plenty out there who aren't fulfilling these promises and actually Brandon used a great term bad faith actor I think was the term he used or I might have just made that up but there are a lot of these bad faith actors out there who are you know just trying to basically scam kids and make promises that they can't keep and that's why you see certain guys being spurned by NIL opportunities and transferring from schools 
So far, we haven't seen anything like that from John Ruiz. And I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, even though, listen, if you're a if you're a fan of certain other college football programs, you're probably not a big fan of John Ruiz because he's become the boogeyman in your mind. Like, oh, we couldn't land that player because John Ruiz came in with a bag. He dropped the bag, so we couldn't land that player. I know that a lot of people just have made him out to be some kind of a James Bond villain, but in reality, he's been a good faith actor in the NIL space. And so I think that honor for him is quite well reserved. All right. So wow. All right, folks, we're certainly going to be watching in the coming days what's brewing on the transfer portal front. Can Miami land a wide receiver? You know, it is a dead period right now. And I think in in January, we're going to be watching Dante Thornton, wide receiver in the transfer portal from Oregon, six foot five, 200 pounds. Good relationship with Mario Cristobal. Would love to have him down here in South Florida. We're going to see what he decides to do. Uh, he may take more visits before the process is over. I'd like to think Miami is in a good position for Thornton and we could use wide receiver help. So that's a player I'm certainly going to be watching. You know, we brought up on the show yesterday to let us know if you have faith in Tyler Van Dyke that with a better offensive line and hopefully wide receivers who can actually hold on to footballs and stay healthy this year, if you think Tyler Van Dyke can have a great year in 2023 for the Miami Hurricanes, most of you said yes. You feel the way that I do, that Tyler Van Dyke, who was starting to roll a little bit, had a really poor start last year. First four games in the new offense, bad. But then the North Carolina game, the Virginia Tech game, Tyler Van Dyke was starting to get it and was starting to make big time plays. And then he got hurt and was never you know, the same after that and missed most of the games after that. I do believe that Tyler Van Dyke with better protection and better playmaking from his skill position, guys, I think he can have a really good year coming up. Now, one of the points that the detractors, a lot of you have brought up, and this is fair, I noticed a lot of folks in the YouTube comments have said, the thing that you guys don't trust about Tyler Van Dyke is um, he doesn't show you the type of presence in the huddle and he doesn't show you the type of active leadership that you crave. And you know what? Just based on what we saw last year, I think that's probably fair. I think the body language looked off at times last season. You know, maybe he looked so frustrated in the way he was playing and with the way he was just not clicking in the new offense or his receivers dropping passes left and right, you didn't quite see the sort of visible vocal leadership that you expect from a starting quarterback. In fact, that was one of the things that I really liked about Jakari Brown, uh, who was a freshman last year. He had some ups and downs last year, no question about it. Uh, Georgia Tech game was great, and I thought Jakari Brown, oh, he's got a great huddle presence for what that's worth, and it looks like this guy, is uh, he just acts like a quarterback. Uh, we'd like to see more of that from Tyler Van Dyke. Uh, you know, I'm sure that that's something he's been thinking about and something he's been working on. And guys, I think a lot of that could just fall into place once he becomes more comfortable in this offense. And if he's actually getting protected and if, you know, his pal Xavier Restrepo can stay healthy and they can rebuild that connection that they had, you know, from their freshman year into their sophomore year. But I, I thought that was probably a fair criticism that some of you brought up, that he doesn't really look like he commands respect in the huddle. That's something I'd like to see him improve and address, and he probably feels the same way about it. So we'll see how that develops. Uh, we're going to keep you guys locked and loaded the rest of the week. Thank you for 
adapting your schedules for us. Uh, maybe some of you just listen whatever time you listen, uh, and it hasn't really changed for you. But those who usually listen to the first release, we usually put our episodes out in the morning, late morning. Uh, this week, I've been filling in on radio from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., uh, filling in for Brennan Tobin on the Tobin and Leroy show. So that's that's changed up my schedule a little bit. Um, so I've been putting out the episodes later this week. So I thank you guys for accommodating your schedules to my schedule. Uh, but we're never going to miss an episode. If we put out an episode later, the episodes will always come. So thank you for making us your first listen today. And make sure that you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, if not sooner, on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.